It's the All-Star Break Week in Major League Baseball, so it's also the right time to look at the rich history of baseball's spring training because it didn't start down in Florida or Arizona. It started right here in Hot Springs. Plus, our updated list of things to do here in Hot Springs, America's first resort, all ahead on Hot Springs This Week. Hot Springs This Week, a look at things to do and people to meet in Hot Springs, America's first resort. Welcome to Episode 5, and thanks to so many of you for your kind comments and reviews. As of the day we're recording this episode, we have listeners in 11 states. You can hear us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor, plenty of other platforms as well. And please follow us on Twitter at HS This Week. Also, thanks for the reviews. We appreciate those too, and thanks for sharing it. Thanks for subscribing to this podcast. Let's start by jumping into our updated list of things to do, a regular conversation with Jennifer Bailey from our sister station, 105.9 KLAZ. So sitting with Jennifer Bailey, our social diva and <laughs> afternoon host on sister station, 105.9 KLAZ, as we take a look at things to do. Of course, the 8th Annual Fishing Challenge runs through the end of July, sponsored by Visit Hot Springs. If you catch a fish in Lake Hamilton or Lake Catherine, it has a tag on it. There's a phone number. Call it. They'll bring you money. Cash for fish. They should totally name it that. <laughs> they should. Copyright Jennifer Bailey today. Also coming up on Thursday, July 11th, it's the Movies at the Market. This time, it's Ralph Breaks the Internet. Gates open at 7.30, so you can claim your spot. The movie starts at dark. And remember, picnics are welcome, but no glass containers, please. Remember Ricky Skaggs? Well, on Saturday, July 13th, he'll be out at Magic Springs. Of course, the concert is free, but you have to have a ticket to get into the park. So whether you have a season ticket or a daily ticket, you can see Ricky Skaggs on the 13th at Magic Springs. And then on Monday, July 15th, the Hot Springs Concert Band. I love these performances. This time around, they salute American heroes. It's at Whittington Park at 630. And then on July 16th, the full moon ride at Northwoods Trail. No drop, beginner to intermediate group ride. You meet at 6 o'clock, start riding by 6.30. It's going to be dark by the time the ride is over. So bring your own bike, your helmet, your front white light, rear red light, and backup light. And bring your own water, too. July 18th through the 21st, the 2019 Vulcan U.S. National Indoor Pickleball Championships. That's at the Hot Springs Convention Center. You know, pickleball's been around for a long time, but it's a newfound popular game. And Vulcan actually makes all the pickleball equipment here in Hot Springs. It's become a big business here in Hot Springs. So it's for all levels and ages. And uh, just Google Vulcan U.S. National, and you'll find out how you can get involved in that. And there's all kinds of other activities. Just check the different websites for more details. Mid-America Museum has their summer camps every week. Hot Springs Bathhouse Dinner Theater has everything from Patsy Klein to magic. Speaking of magic, you've got Maxwell Blades, magic and humor, and then all kinds of activities at Garvin Woodland Gardens. Speaking of Maxwell Blade, I had a fun conversation with him a couple of days ago, and he will be featured in a future podcast. So he actually does magic during the podcast. Be listening for that.
Well, as I said, long before Florida and Arizona hosted spring training, ballplayers came to Hot Springs. It was the healing waters that brought them here. Mike Dugan is a local baseball historian, a self-admitted baseball nerd. But as you'll hear in our conversation with Mike, our baseball history is so rich that now Hot Springs has a baseball trail you can enjoy while you're here. Here is my discussion with Mike Dugan. A lot's been talked about regarding spring training in Hot Springs and how it all started down here in, in Hot Springs. Uh, talk about the early days. Let's get started with the first team that did its spring training here and why. Well, it's, it's a wonderful story and something that we truly uh, enjoy celebrating here in Hot Springs. In 1886, one of the best teams in the National League. You know, the American League didn't start till 1901. The, Ameri- the National League started in 1876. But in 1886, uh, Albert Goodwill Spalding, who later founded the great sporting goods empire, but at that time was the owner of the Chicago White Stockings, kind of called the Colts in the newspaper at time to shorten things up. But we now know them as the Cubs. They didn't adopt that nickname till much later. But uh, the Chicago White Stockings, we're struggling a bit, and Spalding's manager, Cap Anson, and Spalding got together over the winter. They heard from a doctor here in Hot Springs who said he had the ability to boil out all of the alcoholic microbes that the players were absorbing during the winter months. And he was going to build a giant tub here in Hot Springs so that they could all be boiled out at one time. So Spalding bought into this sent Anson to Hot Springs to look around. They found a suitable location. As you know, we don't have a lot of flat ground here. The location they picked out was on Washita Avenue, where our Garland County Courthouse now sits. And uh, in 1886, Anson brought his Colts to Hot Springs in some of the great classic names of all time. Cap Anson is in the Hall of Fame as one of the great 19th century hitters. He's also the man that segregated baseball. There were black players in baseball in the early days of baseball. But in the late, following 1886 and up into the early 1890s, the White Stockings were the biggest draw in baseball. Anson was a racist, and he kept telling the other owners, I won't bring my team to town where you're getting your biggest gate of the season when we come to play you if you play any of your black players. So he also has that horrible negative footnote beside his name but also on that team was the greatest player of that generation Michael King Kelly an Irishman who could steal bases played hard played hard off the field also and uh, he was one of the reasons that uh, they came to Hot Springs to boil out the winter Uh, other great names on that team included uh, Billy Sunday the future evangelist he was an outfielder on that white uh, stocking team. But some of the great teams of that era came. They came to Hot Springs. They did not have a lot of teams or anybody really to practice against, so they worked out on the mountains. They took the baths. They played baseball as they could on that lot on Washington Avenue. And sure enough, they go back. They win the National League in 1886. Well, at that, you know, just like today, any successful business when a business is successful, other businesses copy it. So following 1886, other teams started coming to Hot Springs, both major and minor, and it grew to a point that by 1911, all eight of the original 
National League teams, plus a couple that went defunct, like the Cleveland Spiders, uh, came to Hot Springs to, to practice. The American League was formed in 1901. All eight of those teams made their way at some point in time to Hot Springs. Our peak years were 1910, 11, and 12, when we had as many as 11 of the 16 existing teams in Hot Springs at that time. And one of the great fun facts, you know, uh, as we'll talk uh, as we go along here, Neil, but that, you know, spring training faded out because of a variety of reasons around 1920 to 25. But to this day, in Cooperstown, New York, at the Baseball Hall of Fame, a little bit over 50% of all of those people inducted in the Hall of Fame at one time or another spent time in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The numbers, are, to me, are just overwhelming when you sit back and think about that. Say some of those names. Well, you can, you can start with the early days. You know, we talked about Kelly and Anson and the great Hall of Famers, but go on to Walter Johnson, one of the great pitchers of all time the greatest pitcher of all time, Cy Young. And Cy Young attributed his great length to his career. And, you know, he won 511 games. No other pitcher's ever won 400 games. That's the reason the best pitcher in the in both the National League and American League every year is given the Cy Young Award. Right. So Cy enjoyed it. He talked it up. The Sporting News carried stories from Cy Young for years about how he attributed the water and walking and hiking on the mountains here in Hot Springs to his great success. As a matter of fact, the Youngs enjoyed Hot Springs so much, even though Cy retired around 1912, they kept coming to Hot Springs for decades after that. They would make an annual visit. And one of the fun little side notes that we have on this, February 24, 1938, the City Fathers here in Hot Springs knew that Cy Young was coming to town. So they were able to plan the day. They let the high school out. The Hot Springs High School band was waiting for the Young family when the train arrived down at the terminal that is uh, now our transportation plaza. And uh, the mayor was there to present the key to the city. Dignitaries were there. The streets were turned out with people. And a parade was held from the train terminal to the front steps of the Arlington Hotel to honor Cy Young and his family for all that they had done promoting Hot Springs over the years. So we'll get back to some other names, but I imagine in the early 1900s, then spring training was a bit of a cottage industry for hot springs. Well, it really it was it was more than that. It was a huge industry because we know you know the uh, we, we have newspaper reports from around the country where the Boston uh, Red Sox when they started coming. Of course, the Boston Braves were also the rustlers in those years came to hot springs during that time, and they would bring entire trains of fans to Hot Springs. The Red Sox were led by uh, an ardent supporter, Michael Nuffsed McGreevy, who owned the third base saloon, which is right off of third base at Fenway Park. And uh, he was kind of the head of the Royal Rooters, which was an ardent club of uh, vociferous fans that followed the Red Sox everywhere. And uh, their nominal title of president went to a guy named John Honey Fitzgerald, who was the mayor of Boston and the grandfather of John F. Kennedy. And Honey Fitz and Michael McGreevy would come to Hot Springs, and Michael's nickname was Nuff Said because anytime there was an argument in the third base saloon about baseball, after he listened for a while, he would slam his palm down on the bar and say, Nuff Said, here's the correct answer. And so McGreevy was just a great fan, but we know it was a huge economic impact 
to our community, much like our baseball trail is impacting our uh, the economy in Hot Springs right now and some of the events we've planned around the baseball trail. So uh, lots of lots of business came in because lots of visitors. You have have to think back to the turn of the century, the past century. There were really only three sports. There was boxing, horse racing, and baseball. College football was a northeastern game. Pro football didn't exist until around 1919, 1920. Really didn't blossom till after World War II. So we had horse racing. We had baseball for a good portion of the year. And the great boxers of the time, Sharkey and Dempsey and all, came to Hot Springs to work out just as the baseball players did. We were the sports capital of America. We were Las Vegas at that time because this is where everyone came. You could gamble. You could drink. We had women. We had horses. You name it. Uh, this was the place to be. So it's hard for someone even like me that was born and raised in Hot Springs to think back of the population here in the city limits being larger than it is today. Now, if we take in the county, it's a whole different matter. But uh, the population, you know, in, in the uh, teens and 20s was huge. If you see the, the pictures that were taken of downtown, you're looking at a busy metropolis at that time. So, uh, you know, this was the place to be. You know, we had a report of a game in 1918. Perhaps it was the game where Babe Ruth maybe hit the longest home run ever recorded uh, on March 17th. Once again, St. Patrick's Day comes into play just as it did with spring training the Sporting News. But um, we're maybe more than 15,000, they reported 18,000 fans were at a game at Whittington Park. That's the well, one where he hit the 500-foot yes, home run into the alligator pond? Yes. And, and we're sitting there thinking about, you know, uh, Tuesday and a cool spring day and hot springs in the afternoon. How do you get that many people out? Well, Liz Robbins, the wonderful director down at our Garland County Historical Society, turned up a small brochure from the Hot Springs Utility Association, which ran the parks at that time, that she found in an old file. And the cover photo on that brochure showed Whittington Park with the entire mountainside behind the baseball field covered with people, the field ringed 10 deep with people and more. So, you know, maybe that number might be close to correct, you know. So, I mean, it was amazing to me to see that photo and to think about what went on in that bygone era. Obviously, Babe Ruth, we mentioned him a moment ago, and Cy Young, and some of the, but some of the other big names that played here. Gosh, Tris Speaker. Uh, you can go on and on. Uh, Rabbit Moranville. Uh, we can take it to a later era. Jimmy Fox, Al Simmons, Goose Gosling, some of the great names. Uh, of course, the great managers, John McGraw, came to Hot Springs. Uh, uh, anybody that, that managed, coached, played during that era was in Hot Springs. And the funny thing is, you know, we have continuing stories. Spring training started to thin out after 1920. The, the reason was we're, we're, we're a cold weather area a lot of times in March. Uh, we had a lot of alcohol available, what they were trying to counter. We had women. We had the horse races. We had a lot of reasons that the players shouldn't be here. And we have re reports of at least three times where Babe Ruth returned to Boston having spent his entire season paycheck that he had borrowed against with the Red Sox. So there were some reasons to leave Hot Springs. The reason there was no place else to go was Florida was not usable at that time because of mosquitoes. The, when the Panama Canal was built back in the teens, 
they were having a hard time with workers because of malaria. So DDT was invented. We now know that DDT is bad for not only mosquitoes, but everybody. But it had widespread use around 1920 and beyond in Florida. So it made the coastal areas, which much better weather, no one living there because of the mosquitoes, so a lot less trouble for the players to get in. It became much more attractive. You didn't have rain outs, snow outs, cold days. So the teams eventually started moving on a regular basis to Florida, and that was the birth of the, the Grapefruit League, as they call it down there. So that's when we started losing it. But even after that time, the waters had such an impact on the players, especially pitchers, that Pitchers and catchers for most of the ball clubs would always come here for a couple of weeks before they went off to Florida or South Texas. So we had baseball here up through World War II. Uh, we, the last complete team that we had was the 1930 Philadelphia Athletics. And Connie Mack, the, the, the illustrious Hall of Famer manager, brought his team here. Considered the 29 and 30 and 31 A's are considered one of the great teams of all times with Jimmy Fox, Mickey Cochran, Lefty Grove on the mound. George Earnshaw, who would later settle in Hot Springs working for Weyerhaeuser, was on that. He was the number two pitcher behind Grove on that team. So that was a great team. And think about it. We started off with the National League champs in 1886, the last full team to come, the 1930 Philadelphia A's. They win the World Series, beat the St. Louis Cardinals in the championship there. So, great thing, but, but players kept coming well beyond that. The other great thing, something we can take a lot of pride in in Hot Springs, as the major league teams started to thin out, the, the city fathers realized we needed to replace that on our tourism uh, schedule with something else. Well, about that time, the Negro Leagues were becoming highly organized and uh, into leagues. And there was a Negro American League, a Negro National League, a Negro Eastern League. And uh, their makeup varied from year to year because of economics. But, you know, Negro League Baseball was considered the second largest financial contributor to the black society up through the 1940s. So it was an important part of the economy in most of the large cities. So the Negro League team said, hey, there's fields there, there's baths there, it's a great place to go. So the Negro League teams, the Kansas City Monarchs, the Pittsburgh Crawfords, all the great teams with uh, Satchel Paige, Josh Gibson, Cool Papa Bell, all the wonderful players of that era started coming to Hot Springs. The National Baptist Hotel down on Malvern Avenue, a wonderful structure that still sits there today, became the mecca for black entertainers. Count Basie, all of the big names came to play because they had, uh, they had customers in this area. And Hot Springs was one of the few southern towns where the black society had a economy because there were so many jobs available outside of field work because they were hired in the hotels, the bathhouses, the restaurants. So we actually had a black population earning money. So the players loved to come here, the entertainers loved to come here, Duke Ellington and all, because this was a thriving society. So it was a great segue from our last years where the major league teams came in to bringing all of the Negro League teams came. And they came until the early 1950s when that league really started to fall apart because the major leagues were stealing all their players. <laughs> 
when the Negro Leagues were here, was, was Hot Springs segregated in those days? Well, the games were segregated because uh, we see pictures of the crowds even back when in the teens, when the major league teams were here, there were lots of blacks in the crowd, well-dressed. It was an event to go to a ball game. So uh, the schools, of course, didn't segre- uh, integrate until 68, but there was a part of society revolving around sports that became integrated at a time before most of the South would allow such things. So go back to what we were talking about in the 1920s, and the players come down here to, to get in shape, but yes. their managers find themselves with players who are gambling and chasing women and, and going to the saloons and all of those things as well. And the, the documentary that AETN did about spring uh, training down here Kind of talked about it was a, it was a mixed bag for for baseball's management. It was a lot of decisions were made, and Larry Foley's wonderful film won a couple of Emmy awards, which was great. The first Boys of Spring, uh, Steve Arison was the driving force behind that film, and the reason the film was created in the first place. And Larry did a good job doing it, and we appreciate that very much. But you know, one of the classic baseball stories of all time was this. Even though. The New York Yankees were not coming as a team at that time. Babe Ruth had left the Boston Red Sox. He was traded to the Yankees in 1920. But he continued to come to Hot Springs because he loved it so much because there was so much to do here, so much trouble to get in, and Babe could find it. So Babe was still coming here, and in 1925, he stayed a little too long. The Yankees got word that he was not in great shape. He was telling everybody who was suffering from the flu a little bit. But obviously he was having a really good time in Hot Springs. They demanded he get on a train and make his way to Sarasota. And as he headed east, he became sicker and sicker on the train in what is now described as an intestinal blockage. And it came from eating too much, drinking too much, perhaps a disease that he may have uh, contracted in Hot Springs. You know, nothing's ever been proven on that. But he had to be removed from the train before he made it to Sarasota in what was described in the headlines in the New York papers as the bellyache heard around the world. And from that point on, the New York Yankees put into Babe Ruth's contract that he could not set foot in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So uh, we were a major contributor to the, to, to the mythology that surrounds the great babe. Visit Hot Springs, the tourism organization here has done a good job as, as, with so many people on the baseball trail. And, and so we're kind of becoming a little bit of a tourism destination for baseball lovers again. There's no question about it. We have over 30 of our green uh, monument plaques that are up around town. And once again, Steve and his staff have, uh, at Visit Hot Springs have just done such a great job promoting this. And uh, people, baseball people are kind of geeky. I mean, we all are, and I think you kind of have to admit it to enjoy it, you know, to, to, to not hold back. But uh, we have people that drive in. Never a week goes by that I don't receive a call from the Chamber of Commerce, from John Wells at the library, or someone that's saying, hey, Mike, we've got baseball people that want to know about what went on, where to go, what to see, etc." So I'm kind of the beneficiary of all this. I'm the local guy, uh, even though Don Duran, Mark Bloyer, some great, researchers, great historians have put so much work into this, and I admire those guys, and they're great friends of mine, uh, but but I get the call to go and lead people around and show them different things or tell them about it on the phone, 
And one of the neat things about all of our plaques on the baseball trail is right below the green plaque is a white sign, and it has a QR code on it. And fortunately, my daughter explained it all to me because as an old guy, you know, I didn't really understand it. But you hold your smartphone up to the QR code, and not only do you have what is read on the plaque, but Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback Baseball, will narrate a lengthy uh, uh, story about what happened at that very site or involving that person that's on the plaque. So not only do we add that as a bonus to people coming to town, because we don't have a lot of three-dimensional things to see. The folks at Warehouser on Winnington are great. Some of the old bleachers still survive. We've been able to put home plate back where it used to be, but you're still not seeing a lot of dramatic things as you look around, but you have to involve yourself in the story and do all the reading and stuff. And that QR code, the way that Steve and Visit Hot Springs utilize that is, not only does it tell you how many times it was used in a day, who used it, where are they from? And at the end of each month, Steve generates a report that shows him how many hits on the baseball trail, how many states, usually in the mid to high 30s, how many foreign countries visit it, usually several. And, uh, you know, we know how much, even in the winter, six, seven hundred, eight hundred hits a month are not unusual. And, you know, we have an interesting tie with Japan through Hanamaki. We also have an interesting tie with Babe Ruth. And now their current star playing for the Los Angeles Angels, Shohei Otani, who they see as their Babe Ruth. He's their best pitcher and their best hitter. Now, in America, he's he's doing well in both but not dominating. But they are so proud of that fact that they have tied in with Babe Ruth in a very serious way as the Japanese do. And they have sent uh, reporters here, Hideki Okudi, who is one of the great reporters in Japanese baseball, has done many stories on Hot Springs on his visits here. And um, so it, it's, it's just great fun to see what the baseball trail is doing for the economy. Do you have a favorite post or plaque on that trail? Well, I, you know, I really don't. I, I, I like all of them. My dad grew up on Whittington Avenue, where most of our, our uh, plaques are up. So, you know, the stories that he told me as, as I was growing up, I lived with a grandparents and a great uncle who grew up on Whittington who witnessed all of this. My dad actually was old enough to remember, and he worked at some of the early baseball schools, and Jimmy Fox was his favorite player. Uh, and my grandfather and my great uncle loved Honus Wagner. And so the Wagner plaque is meaningful to me and others. But, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I, I, I was born to an older mom and dad who were born to older mom and dad. So, actually... My great-grandfather moved to Hot Springs in 1870. Not my great-great-great-grandfather, just my great-grandfather. He was wounded in the Civil War, heard about the waters, had a stiff leg, came to Hot Springs. He was drafted off a boat from Ireland. And uh, so, you know, I've got this wonderful trail in my family and in my mind and all the stories I listened to as a young person that have brought this to me, I can see it in see it in color in the photos, and that's another thing that that I, I love to talk about. You know, all the years I, I I kind of thought about this, drove around to antique stores, visited with people. I had probably a dozen to uh, eighteen great old photos of baseball in Hot Springs. Neil, every month we come up with about 20 new ones. We're into the thousands now of the photographs in that period. Now, 
We've not found a lot of hard artifacts from that era. I have a scorecard from 1891 from Whittington Park, printed by the Hot Springs Graphic, the Cincinnati Reds against uh, the, the St. Paul team of the American Association. And there was a very thin line between the American Association and the National League. The American Association was still minor league, but you couldn't tell it on the field. They were very good in the 1880s and 1890s. So that's the oldest artifact I've ever found. Uh, found, you know, some other stuff from the teens and 20s. But uh, we, it, it's been so much fun, and it's amazing to me. The Nuff Said McGreevy collection in the Boston Public Library has hundreds of pictures of hot springs from 1901 up through the 20s from all the Red Sox trips here. Uh, there, the uh, uh, National Library of Congress in, in Washington has hundreds of photos of baseball being played in Hot Springs, the major leaguers here. And we've been able to pull these photos in. And uh, once again, Steve Arison has helped us by advertising this for us. So people come to us now with information they have. Bill Jenkinson from Philadelphia, who's one of the great Babe Ruth historians, has helped. Tim Reed, who lives in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. Tim is just a tireless researcher around the clock. I get emails at 3 in the morning and 4 in the morning that he's found this or found that. Do you find yourself surprised by the number of people who still are fascinated by baseball and hot springs i do because i'm not sure if i sat around a table with a lot of my friends i don't know anybody really that watches the game that often but the funny thing is and you know you can go back to that wonderful movie the field of dreams and james earl jones who's been to hot springs by the way uh with the documentary film festival but baseball connects generations from that field of dreams when, when Kevin Costner says Absolutely. to his father, Dad, do you want to have a catch? Yeah. How do you not tear up? <laughs> the one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. It's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us all that once was good and it could be again during the celebration of spring training's anniversary just last year hot springs played host to members of babe ruth's family so if your travels bring you here and you're a baseball lover don't miss the baseball trail here in hot springs There are always things to do in Hot Springs, from the baseball trail to great restaurants to Oaklawn Racing Casino Resort and, of course, our lakes. You can get a full vacation planning kit by going online to hotsprings.org. Usually, Kimberly Bogart from Entergy Hydro joins me to talk about water and flow. She's not here today, but she does send along some information, so let me read you what she sent. Energy reminds us that Monday through Friday, they'll be generating 4,000 cubic feet per second through the dams 24 hours a day. But on Saturdays and Sundays, it'll be 4,000 QFS only from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's to allow for fishing below the dams each morning. So if you're going to float the river, you want to put in by 3 p.m. on the weekends to make sure you can finish your float before the recreational flows stop. 
And then, of course, there's always something about water safety. Whether you're out on Lake Hamilton, Lake Catherine, or down on the river, uh, please be a good example. If you want your kids to wear the proper size life jacket for the activity you're on, and you should have your life jacket handy in case you need one. Hopefully you don't. A reminder that any children in a moving watercraft under 12 have to have a life jacket on. Setting a good example right now can save a life later. So a reminder from Energy, life jackets float even if you don't. So be careful out there and on behalf of Energy, they certainly hope you enjoy the lakes and the rivers here in the great hot springs area. So that wraps up episode five. So again, my thanks to Mike Dugan, the baseball historian here in Hot Springs for spending some time with us. Jennifer Bailey from our sister station, 105.9 KLAZ, who always helps run down the events that you can enjoy here in Hot Springs. And to you, thank you for listening. Again, please follow us on Twitter at HS This Week. Please leave a review. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast, and we hope you'll enjoy your visit to Hot Springs, America's first resort. Hot Springs This Week is a presentation of KZNG News Radio in Hot Springs. Hot Springs.